Hey everyone, it's Jeff from Modern Combat and Survival Magazine, and we talk a lot about the psychological stresses of dealing with a crisis. Things like natural disasters and collapse, and especially a violent confrontation where you're the target of a criminal or even a bar or a parking lot bully. Now, while most people focus in on the techniques for personal protection, and this is obviously an important part of your survival plan, the tactics for being able to deal with the mental defenses that you'll need to put that plan into action is just as critical. In fact, it can mean the difference between life and death, perhaps more than any other factor. Now, you'll see what I mean in this week's interview, and you'll get some handy tricks for building a bulletproof mind that will serve as the core for your personal defense plan. Check this out. If bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging, would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, would you know how to survive? If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. People who study self-defense, and especially people who prepare for emergencies, are often branded as paranoid by people who don't. They're told they're afraid. But deep down, we're all afraid of something, if we're smart. I mean, fear is what keeps you alive. But if it gets too powerful, fear can also cripple you and paralyze you, leaving you unable to do what you've got to do to survive. But if fear is a natural response to danger and you need your wits about you in order to respond quickly, decisively, and effectively, how can you control that fear or even use that fear to your advantage in a real crisis or attack? That's exactly what we're here to find out. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine, with another podcast to help you better prepare in your role as a protector and a patriot. And my guest today is self-defense expert Norm Betancourt, who really knows a thing or two about controlling fear to stay on your game when it comes to protecting yourself. Norm, welcome to the program, man. Hey, thanks, Jeff. You know, yeah, it's always it's been a long time since we talked. So I've really been looking forward to this. Listen, everybody, if you if you haven't heard any of the other uh, broadcasts that we've done with Norm before, uh, Norm is a is a former bouncer and bodyguard who's worked in some of the toughest nightclubs and client situations in Vancouver, British Columbia. Now he began studying martial arts in 1983 and received his black belt from the All Japan Karate Foundation in 1997. Now through his dedicated research and passion, he created the Tact self-defense system, which is a modern combat system for the smaller individual. Now, it should be noted that Norm only stands about five foot six and weighs in at 170 pounds. And this has really forced him to put his techniques to the ultimate test, fighting people like drunks and dope fiends in his line of work. Now, to learn more about Norm and his training, visit him online at www.tactselfdefense.com. Now, it's T-A-C-T selfdefense.com. Okay, Norm, let's go ahead and get right into this. We've we've all been afraid. We all know how fear feels, but most people really aren't familiar with just how debilitating fear can be when you're facing a dangerous encounter. I mean, for example, we show a video on our site of a guy that's being challenged in a pizza parlor argument by a guy who's got to be at least twice his size. And you can tell that this guy is frozen with fear. Now, part of controlling fear is first understanding the control it can have on you. 
So what are those specific effects of uncontrolled fear that people could experience when facing a threat? And how do these effects sabotage someone's ability to protect themselves? Well, you know, the, the first thing, you know, fear is good. Okay, I, I just want to make a mention that a lot of people are say, oh, fear, I shouldn't be feeling fear, you know, if I've been training and stuff like that. Fear is actually a good thing, okay? And a lot of people should not focus on, like, trying to stop fear, but like you said, controlling it, okay? And the more you understand it and the more you trigger yourself, uh, the better it is for controlling your fear, right? Like, one of three things will happen when a, uh, when a threat is assessed. You have either you have the fight response, so you go straight into fighting and protecting yourself or you get the flight response that is oh my god i see a threat i'm running away or you have the freeze response so basically the deer in the headlights kind of thing where you're just stuck on stupid and you don't know what the hell to do and this all depends on you uh your personality but also your thought process towards any specific threat okay um the bottom line is what you think is what you will feel Okay, so it's your thought process that helps you uh, control fear and get you uh, to overcome, you know, the flight or freeze response. Okay, uh, physically, there's going to be some natural occurrences that happens in your body. You're going to have these physical sensations that um, if you don't control your fear or don't know how to, they're going to be overwhelming and they're going to take over you if you don't know how to mentally prepare yourself for combat. So some of those sensations that you're going to feel is stuff like heavy like a lot of people uh, say that their legs felt like the tree trunks. They were so heavy that they couldn't even throw a kick or, you know, they had cotton mouth. And a lot of us experienced that, you know, doing public speaking interviews. Um, like, for example, my very first interview that I ever did for anybody, I had I was suck, uh, sucking back on water um, profusely. And then, you know, now after, you know, doing hundreds and hundreds of interviews, it's it's subsided that sensation because I've become accustomed and I've become more confident. And my thinking of an interview is much different. OK, um, you have stuff like your heart pounding in your mouth, your bladder loosens. This is a big thing for a lot of people. And a lot of guys don't like talking about this because this is not anything like macho or bravado about being in combat and pissing yourself or crapping yourself. But a lot of people experience this kind of thing, especially in life and death situations. you got to remember, your body knows what to do instinctively when it comes to a threat being assessed. So your body's going to process things. You're going to go into an adrenalized state. Your pain threshold is going to increase. And you're going to get your bladder to loosen up. Some people will have, you know, have a little bit of urine you know, dribble down their leg. And that's your body saying, okay, you need to be faster now because there's a threat. You need to react faster, hit faster, kick faster. So we're going to release anything in your system that's slowing you down. And one of those things is your bladder. Um, people experience the matrix effect where things are coming in slow motion. Um, I've interviewed countless police officers who have been shot at, and some of them had said they they literally saw the bullet coming straight for their head, and it was in milliseconds. The time distortion had occurred that they literally could see things in this very low, elaborate way, and they literally move their head. The matrix effect, which, once again, your senses, your audio, your you'll get time distortion. These are all things expect to happen, 
and it's okay to happen during an adrenaline state. So the more you understand this and the more you are familiar with this, when it happens in an adrenaline state, you're not freaking yourself out and saying, oh my God, I shouldn't be feeling this. And then going into that, you know, the freeze or the flight response. Yeah, that makes total sense. And and that would explain why you say that like combat is is 90% mental and only 10% physical. It seems to me that the biggest problem most people who have no self-defense training have is that they often lack the mental framework to deal with the threat that they're facing. Can you elaborate on the mental aspects of fighting back? And can you explain how someone goes about adopting like the right killer mindset to be able to protect themselves? Yeah, for sure. Like, you have to, and once again, you know, you'll, you'll experience one of three things, fight, flight, or freeze. And most people will either fall under the flight or the freeze, the running away or freezing in fear, not knowing what the hell to do. And the biggest thing you need to have for yourself is to be able to trigger yourself. Once again, you know, there's going to be a common theme that I'm going to say, and that is what you think is what you feel. Okay, so let's go and imagine there's a big goon that's coming straight for you. People who fall under the flight or the freeze response see that goon and they're going to have a bunch of thought process going on off in their head within milliseconds. The subconscious kicks in and they say, oh, my God, this guy's huge. He's going to kill me. He looks pissed off. He has a clenched fist or he has a weapon. Those are all fear based thoughts. They will get you into flight or freeze response. So you basically are screwed, okay? Now, if you learn how to trigger yourself, when you see a threat like that, all of a sudden, you don't have fear-based thoughts going off in your head. You have aggressive thoughts. It puts you in a controlled rage. Now, the next point, the thing that goes off is people say to me, well, how do I get to this point? And the, the biggest thing you need to have is you need to find a trigger that's bigger than yourself, that you're willing to die for, okay? Now, you talk to people who have survived in survival situations, and there's a common theme that always they say. They say, you know, I thought I was going to die there. I was, I was going to give up. I was trapped under a truck for, you know, days, and I thought I was dying. But the thought of my family members kept me alive, needing to see them again, needing to, to overcome this obstacle, okay? And it's no different in a self-defense situation where you need to find something bigger than yourself that you're willing to die for. So for me and for a lot of people who are parents, that is their children. So for me, if there was a speeding car coming uh, towards my daughter or towards my son, I would, uh, without any hesitation whatsoever, would jump in front of that car, take the hit, and throw my child to safety. Throw him on the lawn, throw him on the sidewalk, without any hesitation. Fear would not even go into my head about being hurt, being uh, injured, or dying in this situation, because I have a trigger that's bigger than myself that I'm willing to die for, and that is my children. So when I see a threat coming towards me, I see this, let's go back to this big goon who has a clenched fist and the tight jawline, and his eyes are bulging out of his head because he wants to rip my, my head off. I'm not going to be thinking, oh, my God, this guy's huge. This guy's big. He's going to hurt me. What I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be triggering myself and literally hearing my children cry, that horrible scream that they have when they're in a lot of pain. And I'm going to literally see 
those tears come out of their eyes. And all of a sudden, what goes off in my head is, that's what he's going to do to my kids. And mm-hmm. now all of a sudden, my emotion is not fear-based. It is pure aggression. It, he can rip my arms off. He can do whatever he wants to do. But I will not stop fighting until I finish him. You know, and that's the difference. That's where triggering comes in. A lot of people assume, like before an altercation or something, you got to be zen-like. Okay, that is not the case because what happens is your uh, thought process will end up giving you fear-based thoughts. You need to get aggressive, a controlled rage, not a haphazard rage, but a controlled rage where you still can control the situation. You're not just flaying your arms around, but you still can think but you have that aggressive anger towards that, you know, subject or towards that uh, victim that's in front of you. And that's another thing, like I just like to emphasize is when people are talking about the person that's in front of them, you know, they say a thug, a goon, which I've mentioned. Uh, when I train people, I actually will use a word and it's the person that's in front of you that's trying to mug you or trying to harm you. That is your victim or your prey. Okay, because I'm putting, I'm instilling a thought process into my students. And that is that person that's in front of you is your prey or your victim because you're the one that's going to do harm. Yeah, well, I've never heard that before. I mean, that, that, that makes total sense, especially, you know, feeding into this mental, you know, triggering that you're talking about. That's awesome. Okay, well, we've been talking with Norm Betancourt of TaxSelfDefense.com about how to control fear when faced with danger to give you the mindset necessary to survive an attack. Now, we've got a lot more coming up, including how to use the creative powers of your brain to pre-program yourself to respond effectively when threatened, applying combat mindset principles to your everyday life and other survival scenarios, and real-world training tips for harnessing the power of your mind to make fear work for you instead of against you in a real attack. But first, check out this special message. Imagine staring up at a six foot nine, 350-pound biker dude, rage in his eyes, ready to cram a beer bottle down your throat as payback for bumping into him. Would you know exactly what to do? Without cowering in fear, without begging for mercy, without getting stomped to the floor and beaten while your family watches in horror? You will now with this simple three-step plan. One, don't take your family to biker bars. That's really kind of stupid, isn't it? Two, harden your mind with bulletproof warrior confidence. And three, master your own secret bag of shockingly powerful fight tricks. Waiting for you and your free DVD you can claim now at DefeatLargerAttackers.com. In a real fight, you don't have the option of losing. Not when your life or the safety of your family hiding behind you is on the line. You need to know exactly what to do in those first few seconds of an attack and end it quickly and walk away with your life, your loved ones, and your pride intact. In this free DVD, you'll discover the street fighting secrets for how to knock a bigger, stronger man headfirst into the pavement with brutal, unstoppable power and speed regardless of your size, strength, or even if you've never been in a fight before in your life. Claim your free DVD now while this offer is still available at www.defeatlargerattackers.com and unleash your true potential to kick ass. And now, back to the show. 
Okay, we're back with Norm Betancourt of TaxSelfDefense.com, talking about how to control fear and use it to your advantage in a violent attack. So let's go ahead and jump right back into our interview now. Now, Norm, your work on the topic of controlling fear involves a great deal of visualization practice. So can you explain the benefits of visualization when it comes to controlling fear and channeling aggression and maybe give us an example of like a, a powerful visualiza- visualization that would help someone put your principles into practice? Yeah, for sure. Like visualization, a lot of people, they hear about this uh, topic, but they don't really use it to their advantage. Uh, your brain cannot distinguish between what is real and what is imagined. Okay. The Russians used to do this many, many years ago when they were doing the Olympics and everybody was wondering, you know, why are the Russians so powerful and winning so many, you know, medals in the Olympics? And the thing was, was they tapped into visualization many, many moons ago before we did. Okay. And visualization, like I just mentioned, your brain cannot distinguish between what is imagined and what is real. So you want to visualize, um, yourself in the combat situation. Now, when I say visualization, try to use all your senses, your smell, include your smell in there, your sight, touch, taste. You know, you taste, um, you know, if you're visualizing yourself, I don't know, punching someone and the blood goes and splatters onto your face and onto your lip, taste the warmth, taste that sensation there. You want to try to make this as real as possible because what happens is, like I said, your brain cannot distinguish what's imagined from what is uh, real. So you want to kind of, when you visualize yourself in combat situations, see a person that would literally put fear into you, okay? That the goon, the thug, the person that when you see in a movie or you see you coming towards you, you say, oh my God, this person is really intimidating. This person would scare me if, if they came at me. And what I want is, and what I tell people is, visualize them coming at you. And when you visualize, like I said, use all your, your, your senses, but also visualize in first person. So you literally want to see that guy coming at you and you're reacting, responding, and retaliating with your tactics. You want to see it as third person. So you want to see yourself fighting that individual as well. So you're standing back and you're literally watching yourself fight another guy, okay? And also see yourself uh, kind of floating above yourself. And some people get the sensation for real in life and death situations where they're literally, their body, they're floating above their body, uh, seeing themselves fight another person. So you want to kind of practice that visualization technique, you know, a few times a day. So in the morning, what I do is I see myself in first person, fight a person that's coming at me with a knife and then I do that three times I also do it in third person and I practice that three times and then I do it as I'm hovering above myself and watching myself fight and what happens is this instills uh, your tactics and your muscle memory and it also helps you give confidence in your abilities and your tasks and when you visualize see yourself uh, you know succeeding okay at Taking out your, uh, taking out your prey or your victim. Um, and sometimes when you visualize, also see yourself, let's say it was a situation with a firearm. You pull out your firearm, the gun jams, or you pull out your knife and the knife drops to the ground. Don't stop there. See yourself adapting to that situation, improvising and succeeding at doing that task. Because once again, your brain 
can't distinguish the difference between what's imagined and what's real, and you'll be able to perform that in the real world. Yeah, that's really powerful too. I mean, I used to use that that technique also because um, I knew about that Russian the Russian visualization back when I was in high school. I used to um, I did the high jump, and I remember reading like about making something even more powerful than what it is. So you kind of like create this buffer zone. So like I used to do the high jump and instead of just visualizing going over the high jump and being successful at it, they would say like, you know, the high jump and then like a building and then a mountain. And, you know, obviously I'm not going to jump over a mountain, but the whole point is to really make it something that's probably even, you know, in your situation, like we're talking about, like even scarier than the scariest thing you think. So you know, you're in the prison holding cell, you know, and because that's my worst fear. So I'm bringing out this is like it's like psychi- psychiatric session for me now. So I'm in the I'm in the prison holding cell and this freaking gigantic, you know, muscle bound guy comes over and he's not six feet tall. He's more like seven feet tall or seven and a half feet tall or eight feet tall. The guy that you just like you would think there's no possible way, but that's the mental hurdle you've got to get over is the oh. This, there's no way I can beat this guy. He's just way too, you know, way bigger and way stronger than I am. So, so that makes total sense. Now, let's talk about that because it really does come down to self, to, to confidence, really. So, one of the benefits of following a self-defense training program, especially if it's something like in your DVDs, because you deal with like real street combat, like not the the typical like you know karate 101 type stuff but like what really happens in a real street fight and then how to survive it survive it and and the confidence that this gives you can really help you not only face like a violent attack but but also face other crises with with power and self-discipline now like as an example i always think about like someone who's facing a disaster with their family or even if you're even if you're stuck in like a job with an abusive boss i mean those are all elements of fear that can break away confidence from somebody so aside from using these techniques for destroying a violent attacker what are some ways that someone can evaluate their lives for those things that they may fear and apply your principles to everyday life you know it, the big thing with with this whole concept is you can apply it to, yeah, everything and anything in your life. You're dealing with a spouse, okay? You're having a disagreement with a spouse. If you have, you know, I know a lot of people nowadays, anxiety is a major issue in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and going out in public or just, you know, doing certain things, anxiety controls them. So with this kind of visualization and stuff, I want to add another thing into it is, you want to try to practice, you know, breathing, tactical breathing. And this is where this is paramount to helping control fear and controlling the physical responses adrenaline's going to play on you during an altercation. So tactical breathing, a lot of people talk about this, um, but they kind of, there's different mythologies on it. But tactical breathing is this. And I really recommend my students doing this. And I will say, okay. What I want you guys to do before you perform your tactic is I want you to breathe and trigger. So breathe is one of those things with tactical breathing. You want to breathe in through your nose for a four count, hold for a four count, release out through your mouth for a four count, and then hold for a four count and repeat three times before performing your tactic and while you're triggering. And what happens is this will help slow down your heart rate. It will help 
you control the emotions, control your thought process. Because you got to remember, once your heart rate hits 140 beats per minute, so most of us right now are probably, you know, uh, resting heart rate is, I don't know, 65 beats per minute, 70 beats per minute, we'll say. But if somebody came at us with a knife, you know, your, your heart rate's going to skyrocket beyond 140 beats per minute. And if you're fighting for your life, well, holy crap, what's going to happen at that moment in time is if somebody were to say, while you're trying to defend yourself against a knife-wielding attacker, if they were to say, hey, what's your name? Most of us would not be able to respond to that question because the, you're so adrenalized and you're, you're, the way your brain's working now, you're not thinking with the logical part of your brain and you're going to be really messed up. So tactical breathing also helps you control, you know, your heart rate, control the mental aspects of adrenaline when it affects you because once again, you're not going to be thinking with the logical part of your brain. So it helps slow down that heart rate, helps slow those physical sensations. And this can be applied to anything in life as well. You, you and your wife are having um, a spat or something. And all of a sudden you feel that emotion take over. Once again, your thought, thought process is going to take over and you're like, Jesus Christ, here we go again with this stupid topic. I'm sick of this. I don't want to go and, you know, move here or do whatever. Tactical breathing will help you calm those nerves and kind of, you know, get you to step back and just relax and breathe and, you know, function in a more logical, non-emotional way, which is what you want to do in everyday life and in combat situations so you can make the appropriate assessments and deal with it. And this, like I said, can be applied to people dealing with anxiety, uh, any type of stress in their personal lives. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, you know, th this really is a topic that I believe in, and I, and because fear is a, is a part of our lives, and like you said, it can be it can be good, you know, but you've got to know how to use it, and and it really can greatly increase someone's chances of survival, no matter what threat that threat they face. I mean, it could be, you know, those a crisis they're going through, a natural disaster they're they're involved in. Or it could be those first few critical seconds where you're threatened and about to be attacked by some giant thug. I always like to end with something that like more drills. I've already given some really great tips from people like on how they can they can use combat breathing and they can use visualization. I really want our listeners to come away with a, a practical set of tools that they can use to help control fear and, and even use it to their advantage like we talk about. So can you give our listeners any more specific training drills that they can do to, to really begin to control fear better and use it to their advantage? Yeah, for sure. Like, you know, like I said before, you know, before the training scenarios or training rehearsals, when you're, I don't like to use the word sparring, it's more martial arts based, but, you know, before, you know, doing uh, rehearsals of your combat skills, like I mentioned, you know, think breathe, trigger, always make that habitual, do that during the day as well, kind of train yourself to, you know, in the shower, three times in the morning, see a threat, breathe, trigger so now you can go and try to get a, a quicker response into getting into that killer instinct almost like turning on a light switch okay so then when you need it the most you can turn it on automatically i also tell students you know um there's a philosophy out there is is this if you can't do it slow you can't do it fast and a lot of people, you know, they go into this emphasis when they're training and doing tactics, going as fast as they can, as hard as they can. 
that's good. But you also want to train, you know, yourself into doing tactics as slow as you can. So you also can have a thought process when you're doing things in case you need to improvise. Because most of the time, you're going to need to improvise in uh, a combat situation. And not one punch is going to be ever thrown the same, okay? Um, and that's something that I really instill in people is, listen, don't just focus on, on training fast your tactics, but do it super slow because then you can see things in a different way in a different angle. Um, once again, repetition is do visualization during the day. And also, you know, uh, one technique that I really find very helpful in trying to trigger myself is I put myself in scary situations during my training scenarios. It's a controlled way of getting adrenalized. So what I do with my students sometimes is in my training center, um, I get them to close their eyes and I say, okay, I want you to breathe and I want you to trigger. And until you hear me, or feel me, will you fight with me? And what happens is I will delay my response. I will wait like 35 seconds before I attack my student. And what happens is it forces them to control the anticipation of violence hmm. with their triggering techniques. Okay, Because remember, the anticipation of violence is much worse than violence itself. You know, that standoff, what's going to happen before this thing gets physical? A lot of people, that's where people start crapping their pants and start pissing themselves and they go into that fight, flight or freeze, right? Depending on their thought process. And what happens then is I will then attack them and they have to just randomly improvise and deal with the situation at hand. Sometimes they'll have two people jump out out of nowhere and now they have to deal with multiple attackers. And what that does is that gives them the confidence and ability to say, yeah, you know, I can deal with any situation that comes offhand with me regardless of what happens because I didn't know that I was going to have to deal with three guys. I thought I was just going to have to deal with Norm. And that really helps. Another thing is some there's a lot of new uh, gadgets out there for training. And one of the great tools um, for training is called the shock knife. A lot of people have heard of this. Some aren't familiar with it, but it's what a lot of military and police uh, departments use now for knife disarming techniques. And what it is, it's a knife that sends off an electrical shock. You have a uh, gauge on it. You can either do, you know, uh, light up to heavy. And what happens is when you try disarming someone with a shock knife, it'll actually send an electrical current out and it'll shock you. And you'll hear, you know, you'll smell the, uh, the smells of the, uh, the, uh, your arm hairs going off, uh, burning. <laughs> and it actually puts a bit of pain on there. And it makes you really apprehensive to do knife disarming tactics. But what happens is it puts a reality on your knife disarming techniques. It's just not some phone or sponge knife that a guy's going at you with. It's actually a knife that actually will hurt when it touches you. It won't scar you up or anything, but it freaking hurts. And what I do sometimes is I get my students to stand at a static position, blindfolded, and I will start pressing the button on this knife. And you'll just hear this, the zap, once again, anticipation. And I get them to breathe and then to trigger. And then what I'll do is every once in a while, I'll zap them. And they will feel that sensation. But what happens is I force them into 
get in your trigger, have it strong enough. So then you have no fear of this, you know, instrument making contact with your skin. And what happens is it forces people into having that killer instinct where it's like, feed me this pain because it can't hurt me anymore. And that's the mentality you want. When you're in a combat situation or a violent encounter, you can't be standing across from, from uh, your uh, your uh, thug, okay? You Once again, you have to be standing across from your prey and walking towards it and saying, you can't hurt me, you can't harm me, I'm ripping you to shreds and I'm taking you out because you have that trigger that's bigger than yourself that you're willing to die for. That will make the big difference into either you falling into fight, flight, or freeze. Awesome. Norm, really great information, man. I mean, this is this is probably the most condensed, um, you know, really just jam-packed full of practical advice and, and even training advice that I think that uh, that people can really put to use right away. So this is awesome. I really appreciate it. Listen, everybody, um, you know, definitely go check out Norm's stuff. I've been a big fan of Norm's stuff for years. I mean, he's got a bazillion different videos out there that you can get, some DVDs on you know, every aspect of really being able to defend yourself from what, what really happens. And you know, he's been forced to really kind of strip away some of the myths and misinformation that's out there because he is a smaller guy. And he and he says that proudly, you know, as as far as, you know, he, his stuff has to work because he has to work harder. And so he's been forced to really look at the things that that truly will work in a real fight that don't rely on size or strength. And that's going to help a lot of people out there. So. Definitely go check it out. His website is over at tactselfdefense.com. That's T-A-C-T selfdefense.com. And go check out his training over there. And until our next Modern Combat and Survival broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying train hard, stay safe, prepare now. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash modern combat and survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.